My storage is empty and I am available. My storage is empty and I am available to you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your love, your kindness, and your truth that you continue to shower down upon us, your people. I ask, O oh God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Father God. O oh Lord, for you are my strength. You are my redeemer. You are the creator of the universe, the creator of all living things. So we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. Amen and amen. Well, happy, happy, wonderful, wonderful Sunday. I hope that you all are having a great and wonderful day thus far. This is, I would probably say, my official first ever Father's Day message. And so um, I pray that this word will bless you. I know it has been blessing me um, because, of course, I went to the Lord and I said, hey, I've never really ministered a Father's Day message before, what would you like me to say? What would you like me to focus on? And from there, the Holy Spirit just took it away. So I'm going to share with you what the Spirit of God shared with me about the Father. So we're going to be walking through some scripture today. We're going from Genesis 37 all the way to Genesis 50, but we'll be reading select texts. So I want to start you with Genesis 37, verses 3 through 4, and Genesis 37, verses 10 through 14. And the title of our subject today is A Father's Heart, A Father's Heart, A Walk Through with Jacob. Now, for those of you who are have been with us, you know that we normally do some background on the character and the subject. So I'll just give you a little brief history about Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. He was the father of the children of Israel, which is his spiritual name, really, that he was given by God to really kind of describe the nations that would come out of him that would start with these 12 sons. And so today we're going to be looking at a heart, a father's heart through the life of Jacob. Interesting thing to note here, because I've taught on Genesis 37 a lot of times. I've taught on the life of Joseph a lot of times. But the Holy Spirit said, I want you to really look at this story from the lens of his father, Jacob, because really that is who is kind of delivering this message, delivering this story. You're really seeing Jacob's heart and how he felt about what was happening with his sons. So let's take a look at Genesis 37, starting at verse 3 and 4. I will be reading from the Message Bible today. Israel, referring to Jacob, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he was a child of his old age and he made him an elaborately embroidered coat. When his brothers realized that their father loved him more than them, he grew, they grew to hate him. They wouldn't even speak to him. So right off the bat, Jacob is giving us his reasoning and his motive for why he has this great affection for Joseph. It's, it's that he is the child of his old age. There could have been an issue where Jacob didn't think he was going to be having any more children. And especially not from this particular wife who had been barren. Okay. So we know that he had 10 sons from Leah but this is his very first child from the mother or the wife that he was really in love for. And if you look at his background, look at Jacob's background, 
He had worked 14 years in order to be able to take Rebecca's hand in marriage. And so, um, I'm sorry, not Rebecca, Rachel. And so being able to have this son that comes from the woman of his heart really meant something to Jacob. All right. So this is the child that, as you see in the text, this is the child that he fashioned something personal for. You don't ever really see in the text, you don't ever really see in Jacob's life where he is doing something very personal for his children. This is the first kind of insider look into the fact that he is crafting something with his hands. He's doing something creative and he's imparting it to this son named Joseph. And so what is he making for him? He's making this embroidered coat, which would have denoted Joseph's position. It would have denoted his leadership. It would have denoted that his father saw something in him as one who would be a successor and one who would be overseeing his future line. So there's a lot that's wrapped up in this coat. It's not just, oh, I made this coat for my son, but no, it is speaking to his position. It's speaking to his leadership. It's speaking to his future. And so essentially Jacob is saying by creating this coat that my future and the future of our family line lies with Joseph. So would that stir up a little bit of cert of sibling rivalry? Yes. But also if you go back into the history of the sons that Jacob has, they haven't really been doing what sons are supposed to be doing, right? Some of them have created embarrassment. Some of them have caused genocide of other um, ethnic families up until this point. Some have shamed him by doing inappropriate things with his wives. So as Jacob is kind of taking all of this in, he really is trying to look to see what son is it that is going to carry my line forward in integrity? Somebody needs to write that down. What son is going to carry my line forward with integrity? So they would not speak to Joseph, right? And Jacob realizes this. And the only way we know about it is because it's in the text. They realize, he realizes that the brothers are not speaking to Joseph. Now, this brotherly strife could have reminded him of his own past strife with his brother Esau, right? So he knows, Jacob knows, he has an idea of what strife can do in a family. He has an idea of what strife can do in separating brothers and, and making them to the point where they are unable to reconcile. They're unable to even be in the same land with each other because of strife that has come in. So as we continue in looking at this passage, we know that there is a brotherly strife there. And then Joseph starts dreaming. Let's look at verse 37, um, Genesis 37 verses 10 through 14. When he, Joseph, told it to his father, his dreams and brothers, his father reprimanded him. What's with all this dreaming? Am I and your mother and your brothers all supposed to bow down to you? Now his brothers were really jealous, but his father, look what he does. He broads over the whole business. Now I've got to correct you in front of your brothers because again, I now have a suspicion that your brothers are not really feeling you as a sibling. Okay, there's some strife there, and this is not going to help the strife. So I'm going to openly rebuke you in the hopes that possibly your brothers, you know, will kind of take into account that I'm not really, that I'm not playing favorites here. But his father brought it over the whole business. His brothers had gone off to Shechem, where they were pasturing, or Shechem, where they were pasturing their father's flocks. Jacob, Israel, says to Joseph, your brothers are with flocks in Shechem. 
Come, I want to send you to them. Joseph said, I'm ready. He said, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring me back a report. He sent him off from the valley of Hebron to Shechem. Now, he hears his son's dreams. He reprimands Joseph in front of the brothers. And here's the thing. Again, Jacob has to see a little of himself in Joseph. Jacob recognizes the power of divine dreams himself. A lot of Jacob's journey has been guided by divine dreams. It's been guided by the presence of God coming to him and speaking to him in a very supernatural way. All right. But here's the thing. This is a powerful word that the Holy Spirit gave to me to share with you. One of many, but I want you to just put this in your, put this in your back pocket for your life. He said, dreams without discretion can make powerful enemies. Mm. Dreams without discretion can make powerful enemies. And Joseph is telling his dreams to his brothers because he thinks that he is safe to share. <laughs> but again, Jacob knows what happens when you have powerful dreams and how it can become a dangerous thing and cause you to have enemies. Okay? So he rebukes him out of wisdom. He rebukes him in front of his brothers. Now, at the same time, Jacob is grooming Joseph for leadership and oversight. He has an idea of where Joseph could be headed. He has made him this coat, which denotes his leadership and his position for the future lineage. He still has to put him in training. So Joseph, I'm sending you to go check on your brothers and the flocks, and I need you to bring me back a report. This was a part of Joseph being trained to lead the family. This was standard operating procedure if you were going to be leading the family line. He was not doing anything out of the ordinary. So let's take a look at what happens. Genesis 37, verse 31 through 32. Because when they spotted Joseph in the distance, they began to plot. They began to plot. They said, here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer. So we'll, let's see what happens after they take Joseph and decide that they're going to do him harm. What has happened? They took Joseph's coat. They butchered a goat and they dipped the coat in the blood. By this time, they have sold Joseph off down the road and they're getting ready to commit a deceptive act that's going to last decades as his brothers. They took Joseph's coat, they butchered a goat, and they dipped the coat in the blood. They took the fancy coat back to their father and said, we found this. Look it over. Do you think this is your son's coat? He recognized it at once. Why wouldn't he recognize it? It took him probably weeks, if not months, to create the coat. Why would he not recognize his own craftsmanship? Just think about that. My son's coat. A wild animal has eaten him. Joseph torn from limb to limb. Now look at this. Jacob tore his clothes in grief, dressed in rough burlap, and mourned his son a long, long time. His sons and daughters tried to comfort him, 
but he refused their comfort. I'll go to the grave mourning my son. Oh, how his father wept for him. Well, that just blows the theory out of the water that men don't mourn, that men don't care, that men don't grieve, that men don't weep. Hmm. It's right here in the text. A father's heart on his sleeve. He wore his heart on his sleeve when it came to Joseph. A father's heart on his sleeve led to the blood on the coat. They took the very thing that they saw that their father had a passion for. They took the very thing that their father was looking to in order to give him hope for the future and they sold it down the road and to add insult to injury they didn't just sell it down the road but then they came and they concocted a story that it wasn't just sold down the road but that it was dead to him so they take joseph's coat And they strip Joseph of the symbol of a father's love, of a father's approval, of a father's covering, of a father's guidance, and a father's preparation for leadership. All of that was wrapped up in that coat. They took that coat back to their father and said, we found this. Not, we found the garment that you crafted with care. We just, we found this. And then to add insult to injury, they didn't even say, we found our brother's coat. They said, do you think this is your son's coat? Not our brother but your son. You know how we do. When we don't want to have nothing to do with somebody, we start calling them somebody else's relative. That's what they did. They have othered Joseph and detached themselves from their crime because that's what happens when people other you. When you get othered, people detach themselves from what it is that they're doing to you so that their conscience is not connecting the fact that we are doing this to our own. We're doing this to our own blood. What kind of crimes have they committed? Human trafficking, man stealing, holding Joseph against his will, theft, assault, throwing Joseph into the pit, lying, deceit, and really all of it was premeditated. So what happens? Jacob refuses to be comforted. Because in Joseph, he had found hope. So what what does he say? I will go to the grave mourning my son. Today I think about the fathers who are mourning their sons. I think about the fathers whose sons are no longer with them. And I want you to hear God's heart for you today. He understands. He's acquainted with this grief, this kind of grief. And the first thing he wanted me to notate on today, if you're taking notes, fathers, real fathers, mourn their children. This is one of the most emotionally expressive scenes in scripture. 
And so now we're going to fast forward. It is 22 years later. Joseph is 39. 22 years have gone by and Jacob has not let up off of his grief. Not one bit. Because what the brothers thought that they were doing, what they what they thought they were eradicating in that one moment, turns out to be decades of reminder by their father's grief. So now the dreamer that you wanted to disappear now becomes the centerpiece or the focus of what's missing in the family. Genesis 42, let's look at verses 1 through 5. When Jacob learned that there was food in Israel, that there was food in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you sit around here and look at one another? I've heard that there is food in Egypt. Go down there and buy some so that we can survive and not starve to death. Ten of Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt to get food. Jacob didn't send Joseph's brother Benjamin with them. Why? He was afraid that something bad might happen to him. So Israel's sons joined everyone else that was going to Egypt to buy food. For Canaan too was hit hard by the famine. Jacob, Joseph, Jacob, excuse me, <laughs> Jacob hears about food in Egypt and sends his sons, but he does not send Benjamin for fear that something is going to happen to him. Which leads me to point number two. Fathers don't forget their children. You might forget it might be water under the bridge for the brothers, what they've done. But Jacob has not forgotten what happened to Joseph. So now he has Benjamin, his youngest and last son, from Rachel, the woman that he loved. And he's saying, look, you ten go. But you're not taking Benjamin. So if there was any inkling or any thought that maybe their father had let go of his grief. He clearly has not let it go. Fathers don't forget their children. And let me say this. Fathers carry trauma too. Because for some reason, we think that trauma is a female thing. No, fathers carry trauma too. Genesis 42. Let's see what has happened after they have gone into this space and they have met with Joseph. They returned to the land of Canaan, Genesis 42, verse 29 through 38. When they got back to their father, Jacob, back in the land of Canaan, they told him everything that happened, saying, the man who runs the country spoke to us roughly and accused us of being spies. We told him we are honest men and in no way spies. There were 12 of us brothers, sons of one father, one is gone, and the youngest is with our father in Canaan. So now they've lied. And because they're talking to the person that they sold down the river, he knows they're lying. But the master of the country said, leave one of your brothers with me. Take food for your starving families and go. Bring your youngest brother back to me, proving that you're honest men and not spies. And then I'll give your brother back to you and you'll be free to come and go in this country. As they were emptying their food sacks, each man came on his purse of money. On seeing their money, they and their father 
were upset. Their father said to them, you're taking everything I've got. Joseph's gone. Simeon's gone. And now you want to take Benjamin? If you have your way, I'll be left with nothing. Reuben spoke up. I'll put my two sons in your hands as hostages. Do y'all know anything else besides? <laughs> of all the things he could have offered. If I don't bring Benjamin back, you can kill them. Why is that your first solution and remedy for something like this? <laughs> Trust me with Benjamin. I'll bring him back. Listen. Reuben is willing to put up his two sons to be killed. Does that sound like a wise decision? Absolutely not. <laughs> but Jacob refused. My son will not go down with you. His brother is dead and he is all I have left. Notice the 10 of you all that I sent to Egypt. I'm not even counting you all in my future. Because hmm. you brought me, I sent my son to go check on you all and you brought me back a coat with blood. Now I'm quite sure Jacob has had 22 years to think this, set, this scenario over. Okay. And the brothers have had 22 years of agreed silence and secrecy. <sighs> if something bad happens to him on the road, you'll put my gray sorrowing head in the grave. How does it feel for 22 years for your father to not trust you with anything? I want you to think about that. Your one act of deceit. And here it is 22 years later and your father don't trust you with nothing. He doesn't trust you. He, he trusts you to go somewhere and come back. That's about it. He doesn't trust you with the human life of Benjamin, your youngest brother. He does not trust you. So there's a lot of fracturing that has happened in this family. Hmm. Jacob is depleted. 22 years of living without his favorite son. Mm -hmm. Another son, Simeon, being locked up on suspicion in another country. And now you want him to hand over his younger son. So he stays in the mode of refusal. He stays in the mode of refusal. But guess what? Point number three. Fathers do not want to fail in the mission to keep the family alive. Fathers do not want to fail in the mission to keep the family alive. Genesis 43 Verse 1 through 6, the famine got worse. When they had eaten all the food they had brought back from Egypt, their father said, go back and get some more food. But Judah said, the man warned us most emphatically, you won't so much as see my face if you don't have your brother with you. If you're ready to release our brother to go with us, we'll go down and get you food. But if you're not ready, we aren't going. What would be the use? The man told us, you won't so much as see my face if you don't have your brother with you. Israel said, why are you making my life so difficult? Why did you ever tell the man you had another brother? Which leads us to point number four. Fathers have to face their fears in order to secure the future of the family. Fathers have fears too. 
It's okay to have fears, but you got to face them. In order to secure the future of the family, let's look at Genesis 43, verse 11 through 14. Their father Israel gave in. If it has to be, it has to be. Que sera, sera. But do this. Stuff your packs with the finest products from the land you can find and take them to the man as gifts. Some balm and honey, spices and perfumes, pistachios and almonds, and take plenty of money. Pay back double what was returned to your sacks. That might have been a mistake. Take your brother and get going. Go back to the man and may the strong God give you grace in that man's eyes so that he'll send back your other brother along with Benjamin. For me, nothing's left. I've lost everything. So he comes to this resigned place in his mind that there's a chance that I've lost everything. I'm not going to get my youngest son back. My older sons may not come back. They may leave me here to starve. They may go off and do their own thing. He does not have any confidence in the sons that he's sending with his last son, his youngest son. But oh, what is on the horizon? What Jacob cannot see is that there is about to be a miracle in his life. After he has done all he could, after he has given over, after he has resigned himself that there's no way out of this, there's no possible way out of this, I've got to face what I'm facing. I've got to face my fear of losing it all. Genesis 45, starting at verse 14. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. Genesis 45, verse 14. Joseph threw himself on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. He then kissed all his brothers and wept over them. Only then were his brothers able to talk with him. The story was reported in Pharaoh's palace. Joseph's brothers have come. It was good news to Pharaoh and all who worked with him. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, this is the plan. Load up your pack animals, go to Canaan, get your father and your families and bring them back here. I'll settle you on the best land in Egypt. You'll live off the fat of the land. Also tell them this. Take wagons from Egypt to carry your little ones and your wives. Load up your father and come back. Don't worry about having to leave things behind because the best in all of Egypt will be yours. They did just that. The sons of Israel. Joseph gave them the wagons that Pharaoh had promised and food for the trip. He outfitted all the brothers in brand new clothes, but he gave Benjamin 300 pieces of silver in several suits of clothes. He sent his father these gifts. Ten donkeys loaded with Egypt's best products and another ten donkeys loaded with grain and bread and provisions for his father's journey back. Then he sent his brothers off. As they left, he told them, take it easy on the journey. Try to get along with each other. They left Egypt and went back to their father Jacob in Canaan. When they told him, look at this, I feel like shouting. When they told him, Joseph is still alive. I mean, that's enough that would have just sent him probably fainting. But not only is Joseph alive, but he is the ruler over the whole land of Egypt. He went numb. He couldn't believe his ears. But the more they talked, telling him everything that Joseph had told them. And when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him back, the blood started to flow again. Their father Jacob's spirit revived. Oh my, I am believing God for a spirit revival of the fathers. Israel said, I've heard enough. 
My son Joseph is still alive. I've got to go and see him before I die. Jacob said, <laughs> Jacob said, okay, all this stuff is good. All this stuff is wonderful. Okay, I see the caravans. And you told me my son is alive. That is what I needed to hear. His spirit is revived. You're going to have, a, he has a bittersweet moment. Lies have been uncovered. A relationship has been revived. Jacob's spirit has been revived. He is able to say, I haven't seen him yet, but I've got to see him now. I haven't seen him yet, but I've got to see him now. So Genesis 46, let's read Genesis 46, verses 3 and 4. I'll start at Genesis 46, verse 1. So Israel set out on the journey with everything he owned. He arrived at Beersheba and worshipped, offering sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in a vision that night. Jacob, Jacob. Yes, he said, I'm listening. God said, I am the God of your father. Don't be afraid of going down to Egypt. I'm going to make you a great nation there. I'll go with you down to Egypt. I'll also bring you back here. And when you die, Joseph will be with you. With his own hand, he'll close your eyes. So now he has, not only has he found out that his son is still alive and he started to make this journey, but now he has a God encounter on his journey to see his son. And God tells him, he begins to speak to that old man that Israel had reverted back to, Jacob. And he calls out to that man and he says, Jacob, Jacob. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Jacob is going in the faith of a father. He's going to start over. He's going to keep going. He's going because he has never faltered in his love, though his spirit may have been weary. So when they arrive, they arrived with 70 souls. And if there was a number that I would tell you to sew in today, I would sew into the number 70. That represents the faith of a father to start over. The faith of a father to keep going. The faith of a father that never falters in his love for his son. And so that leads me to point number five. That a father's Fathers must have a faith that drives them forward. Fathers must have a faith that drives them forward. Now the scriptures lets us know that when Jacob arrives, he is 130 years old and he's going to live another 17 years. Because his thing was, I'm so happy I could die. I just want to see my son. And Joseph said, oh no. <laughs> oh no, you finna enjoy this life right here. You've got some more living to do. Yes, you do. You've got some more living to do. But when it came time, Genesis 47 verse 27. When the time came after those 17 years that Jacob lives in the promise. He lives to see what his son had become. He lived to see his son doing well. He called his son Joseph and said, Genesis 47, verse 29 and 30, Do me this favor. Put your hand under my thigh, a sign that you're loyal and true to me to the end. Don't bury me in Egypt 
when I lie down with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me alongside them. I will, he said, I'll do what you've asked. Israel said, promise me, and Joseph promised. Israel bowed his head in submission and gratitude from his bed. What does he do here? He says, I want to show you, I want to give you some insight into how God touched me. Now, I'd never seen this before. Remember, Jacob wrestles with God earlier in his life, and he is touched in the hollow of his thigh. Here he tells us what that meant. He said, place your hand under my thigh. Place your hand where I have been touched by God to be loyal and true to me to the end. His covenant with God was one that he was expressing to Joseph. Be faithful to me like you've seen me be faithful to God. Promise me, be loyal to me to the end like you've seen me be loyal to God. So he makes him, with this promise, he says, bury me with my fathers and don't leave me in Egypt. Now, what is so powerful about that? Look at what the world has now done to Egypt. Look at what the world has now done to the bodies in Egypt. Look at what the world has done to the pharaohs of Egypt. They've dug them up. They put them in museums on display. But Jacob gives this prophetic direction to not leave his body in Egypt. That's just a side note. All of Genesis 48 leads us to point number six, which is that fathers don't fail to bless their seed. He brings Joseph's children, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he begins to bless Manasseh, the firstborn. Then he blesses Ephraim, and then he speaks over them, and then he prophesies over them. And then he gives some explicit directions about his grandchildren. And in Genesis 49, which brings me to point number seven, Fathers don't fail to set the prophetic course and discourse for their children. He spends Genesis 49 telling each one of his 12 sons who they were and what would become of them. Genesis 49 verse 1 and 2, it says, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather around, I want to tell you, what you can expect in the days to come. That's what a father does. Come together. Listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father. Listen to Israel, your father. And in this prophetic counsel that I will not read in its entirety, he begins to call Joseph the consecrated one amongst his brothers. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to point number eight. A father finishes his course and he encourages the course to continue in his sons. Listen to this. Genesis 49, verse 29 to 33. He instructed them, I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave. He tells them where to bury him. And then verse 33, Jacob finished instructing his sons, pulled his feet into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. He didn't let the the last breath leave his body until he was done saying what he had to say. 
Now you can go on and read Genesis 50, but I'm going to give you a summary. Jacob was publicly mourned for 70 days by the Egyptians. He was embalmed. The embalming took 40 days. And then they mourned him for another 70 days. The whole nation did. Then there was a procession, a funeral procession for, for Joseph to keep his oath to take Jacob back to where he had instructed him to be taken back to. They had a funeral procession. And then they stopped in the funeral procession for a period of mourning. Look at this, Genesis 50 verse 10. Arriving at the Atad threshing floor just across the Jordan River, they stopped for a period of mourning, letting their grief out in loud and lengthy lament. For seven days, Joseph engaged in these funeral rites for his father. Men, I'm telling you, don't let people supplant. Don't let people suppress. Don't let people tell you how long you need to be mourning. Don't let people uh, stifle your grief. This lament was so powerful that people who heard about it who lived in the area, saw the grief being poured out. And they said, look how deeply the Egyptians are mourning. That is how the site got its name, Egyptian Lament. When has your grief changed a place? When has your grief renamed a place? That's the power of men grieving and mourning. It's not just for women. I hope you hear that. My final point today, a father leaves clear directions and guidance. A father leaves clear direction and guidance so Joseph learned from his father he saw that his father said don't leave my body in Egypt and Joseph left the same exact instructions listen to this Joseph leaves a prophetic word at the end of his own life. Genesis 50, 22 through 26. Joseph lived 110 years. He lived to see Ephraim's sons into the third generation. The sons of Machir, Manasseh's son, were also record recognized as Joseph's. At the end, Joseph said to his brothers, I am ready to die. God will most certainly pay you a visit and take you out of this land and back to the land he so solemnly promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel promise under oath, when God makes his visitation, make sure you take my bones with you as you leave here. They embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. And we know that when Exodus occurs, they take Joseph's coffin out of Egypt with them. So I pray that this message of a father's heart, I pray that this message has encouraged you. I pray that this message has blessed you. I pray that you will see yourself as a father who has the heart of the father, as a father who loves his children, as a father who holds the heart of his children, as a father who doesn't forget his children, as a father who faces the fears that come in life, fear of loss, fear of the unexpected, not knowing what's going to happen. Those times when you feel grief, 
I pray that you will not hold it in, that you will mourn where you, when you need to mourn, that you don't fail in your mission to keep your family together and your family alive, that you don't fail to bless your children and that you don't fail to set prophetic course, discourse, guidance, and direction for your children. This is the word of the Lord on today. Apostle, would you like to say anything? Let's go and pray before God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this word on today. I thank you for the message. I pray that it will reach the fathers that it needs to reach. I pray that the women that are connected to these fathers today, Father, that they would encourage them, uplift them, strengthen them, uphold them, be there for them, allow them to fully feel the weight and the capacity and the blessing of being a father. I pray even now, God, for fathers who may be grieving today, for fathers who may feel like they have uh, not been able to live up to the whole nature and call of fatherhood. I pray, God, that you would lift their heads today. I pray, Father God, that they would know and understand and, and believe and trust that you have a great plan for them and for their seed that they have placed in the earth. That there is a reason, there's a purpose behind their role as a father. And so, Lord, I ask that you give them the strength to meet their role. Meet it in integrity, meet it with love, meet it with compassion, meet it with passion, meet it with faith. And that they would truly, truly receive all of the blessings that come with the role and the call of fatherhood. It is in your son Jesus' name I pray, believe, and receive. Amen and amen. Listen, if the word blessed you on today, I encourage you to give into the word. Um, the number that I saw today that really kind of stood out to me in the word was 70. Um because it represented those that Jacob brought over into the land of Egypt that was in his care as a father. But any amount you choose to give, we believe and pray that God will bless it and receive it. So I want to thank you for your time and attention today. Be well. Have a wonderful Sunday. And if you're a father, have a beautiful, beautiful Father's Day. Be encouraged. Take care and God bless.